Proverbs 31 verse 10 says this, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Proverbs, of course, is a book of wisdom. It shows us keys for successful living. The wisdom of Proverbs will help you to develop sound judgment so that you may be able to make better decisions in life and then experience a better outcome from those decisions. It's interesting, there are 31 chapters in Proverbs. Of course, actually, the chapters and verses, those were in place by man. That's not necessarily inspired by the Spirit, but nonetheless. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So you have a chapter for every day of the month. And the 31st chapter has 31 verses. And this is interesting. Often... The last portion or the last verses of a book in the Bible is significant. For example, toward the end of the book of Matthew, we read in Matthew 28, 19, make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. The next to last verse in the book of Revelation says, surely I am coming soon, Revelation 22, 20. The last verse of the book of Psalms, we say the book of Psalms, it's actually five books containing 150 Psalms. And the last verse, and the book of Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible, the last verse says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150 verse 6. So it's interesting that the last portion, the last section of the book of Proverbs focuses on women. That's interesting, isn't it? And Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 31 form what we would call an acrostic poem. What that means is each verse in this passage begins with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet from the letter Aleph to Tav, 22 letters in 22 verses. Now, most translations, most translations of verse 10, like the New New International Version, New Living Translation, say, who can find a virtuous wife? However, in Hebrew, it's the word Isha, which means woman. Or female. So the principles in this portion of scripture apply in a general sense to all women, whether they're married or not, whether they have children or not. And notice it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? Now, the King James Version makes it sound like the Bible is questioning the morality of all women. You you just can't find a virtuous woman out there. But that's not what it means. That's a misunderstanding. The Hebrew word translated virtuous is, I think it's pronounced shayil, perhaps, shayil, and it means strong. Strong. Hallelujah. 
But it doesn't mean brute force. It doesn't mean having bulging biceps. That's, that's not the idea. The interesting thing, this, this is kind of strange, actually. It comes from another Hebrew word. I hope you're, you're still with me, right? It comes from another Hebrew word you'll probably never guess. It means to dance. It means to dance. So it's a different kind of strength, one of agility and dexterity. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's like a professional dancer, even like ballet and things like that. You have to be strong to do that. You're just like, no, I can't do that. You know, it's amazing. And if you don't mind me saying this, if I take a little sidestep here, in one sense, in one sense, every woman is a dancer. She stays in sync with the rhythms of life. Juggling the needs of home, house, and the demands of family. She twists and turns with the music of the moment. Never staying still. Because a woman's work is never done. She's a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a co-worker. She's adaptable, flexible, Exerting great energy, yet her movements are a thing of beauty. That's the end of my little poem there. Pardon me for waxing poetic. Instead of virtuous, other translations say excellent. Capable, competent. I think the Message Bible says good. So in this passage of Scripture... Beginning at verse 10, God describes the ideal woman. In his eyes, this is what every woman should aspire to be. Here's another little factoid. Proverbs 31 isn't actually from Solomon. If you go to verse 1 of, of the chapter, it says it is an oracle from the mother of King Lemuel. Now, it must be inspired by the Holy Spirit because the Bible tells me all Scripture is God-breathed. It's given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, we don't know. I don't think anybody knows who Lemuel was. It doesn't really matter. But suffice it to say this. This is wise counsel that a mother gave to her son who happened to be a king. So on this day, this Mother's Day, it would be good for all of us who reign as kings in life through Jesus Christ to listen carefully to a mother's words. For single men... And we know you're out there. For single men, Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, is the kind of woman that you should marry. You missed a good place to say amen. I actually wanted the women to say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And um, 
you should also become the kind of man that a Proverbs 31 woman would want to marry. It's real quiet in this Presbyterian church. Hallelujah. For married men, hopefully you can see at least some of Proverbs 31 in your wife. You're going to get in trouble, man. You better say amen real quickly. (laughs) Some of you are sleeping on the couch tonight. Come on. (laughs) Amen. Well, consider this. Here's the thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 says that an unbelieving wife is sanctified by her Christian husband. It's there. So if a non-Christian woman could be positively influenced by a godly husband, how much more could a Christian wife be changed by the positive influence of her Christian husband? Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, wait, I'm not done, men. I know this is not Father's Day, but I'm not done yet. The word husband in English, the English language, the word husband originally meant one who tends the grounds. For example, John 15 verse 1 in the King James Version says this, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. But of course that means vine dresser or gardener. So... If your wife isn't really blossoming, maybe it's because the husbandman isn't really doing his job. (laughs) Maybe it's because she needs a little TLC. What's that? Tender loving care. (laughs) From her man. Hallelujah. Here's the thing, if she doesn't get it from her man, she may be tempted to get it from some other man. So you better be be listening to what I'm saying now. She needs, I'm going to get poetic again. She needs the sunshine of your affection and the water of your encouragement so that she can truly grow. Now, she probably already has enough of your organic fertilizer. You'll get it this afternoon while you're thinking about this message. (laughs) Amen. For single women, Proverbs 31 is who you should aim to be. Perhaps you're weary of waiting for Mr. Wright to walk into your life. You know, some women are like the Jewish leaders the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who came to John the Baptist and said, are you the one? (laughs) Or should we look for another? (laughs) I'm waiting. I know, I hear you. Some girls, they're probably not here this morning. Some girls every morning look in the mirror and say, 
<sighs> Another day. And I'm still single. But it, it could be, let me, let me try to encourage you, it could be the Lord's mercy that Mr. Wright has not yet appeared. Because, I mean, I don't know, but perhaps there's some areas of your life that need some work. See, God isn't making you wait. He's preparing you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to settle for less than his best. And the Lord knows that an excellent man is probably not interested in a mumbly woman. Mediocre woman. Now it's really quiet. Shall we pray again? Hallelujah. However... Even if you have no plans for matrimony, and by the way, marriage is not for everyone. Some people should never get married. <laughs> this is still, this is still the kind of woman you should, you should be, that God wants you to be. In 1 Corinthians 7 verse 34, it tells us that a married woman is primarily focused on caring for her husband and children. God never told any woman, never, God never called any woman to neglect her household. Amen? But an unmarried woman can give more of herself to the things of God. So here's the deal. If you don't have a natural family to care for, then you should be giving more of your time and energy to your spiritual family. Oh, I'm so busy. I just don't have time. Oh, yeah, right. You wait till you have three children in quick order. Boom, boom, boom. And you, that will redefine time for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's another message. Hallelujah. So it's interesting. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Put that verse on the screen for me one more time. Proverbs 31, verse 10 says, An excellent woman is more valuable than rubies. Whew. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So if you're married to an excellent woman, treat her like a jewel, not like chewing gum. <laughs> a, a, a ruby, of course, is a gemstone. But rubies, I don't know if you know this, rubies and emeralds and sapphires don't come out of the ground cut and polished and mounted on a ring. Huh? And it takes a keen eye to recognize them in their natural state. Now, years ago, many years ago, my family in America, we visited a gem mine in the U.S. state of North Carolina. It was a tourist attraction. And for a small fee, they gave each of us a bucket of dirt. And then we would sift through that dirt in a flowing stream looking for gemstones. But there were trained gemologists standing nearby, or at least people that knew something about this, to help us. So sometimes we thought we had a diamond. You know, we're, we're washing our dirt and we thought, oh, and you know, jump up and down and shout. 
And then they'd look over and say, no, that's a quartz. Or we thought we found gold. And they said, no, that's called pyrite. It's a shiny metal that looks like gold. It's sometimes called fool's gold. It's not gold. I actually, in the time we were there, actually, I actually found a ruby. But it was embedded in other rocks. I mean, I took it home, but, you know, it just stayed like that. And it would take a skillful hand to remove all of the unnecessary alloys and other things that are attached to it. So what's my point? Your wife, your daughter, your sister, you yourself might be a ruby. But she needs to be developed. There are some things that need to be cut away. There are some rough places that need to be polished. Hallelujah. And you don't polish rubies with silk. They have machines, you know, with like harsh, rough sandpaper. If that ruby could talk, it would scream, oh, this hurts. That's what you're thinking right now as you listen to this sermon. This is a cut and polish time, isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. So here's the point. Don't give up on her. And don't give up on yourself. Because God hasn't. He knows a ruby when he sees one. Come on, can I get a big amen right now? Come on, really big. Now, verses 11 to 28 describe the qualities of God's ideal woman. And I'm not going to take the time to read every verse because I can only do a brief little synopsis this morning. But each of these attributes is manifested in action. So in other words, this passage of Scripture, Proverbs 31, does not emphasize what she knows in theory but what she does in practice. So you might sit there and say, amen, 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 amen. Oh, I know this, I know this. Yes, praise the Lord, I know this. That doesn't make you a Proverbs 31 woman. Hallelujah. It's what she does. It's how she lives. One quality of this excellent woman, which is implied throughout this whole passage of Scripture, is resourcefulness. You know, if you want to write something down, that's a good thing. Resourcefulness. What does that mean? She finds solutions to problems. Life is full of problems. Now, if you just complain about the hardships, nothing will improve. You've just exerted energy unnecessarily. She doesn't do that. She sees a problem as an opportunity to serve. To work. Every deficit is an opportunity to supply. Hallelujah. She's resourceful. She's also industrious. Industrious. What does that mean? She's hardworking. She's diligent. Verse 27 says this She does not eat the bread of idleness, she rises early in the morning. Verse 18 says, Her lamp does not go out at night. In other words, she's busy. She's not allergic to hard work. I've told the students, and I've told some of you before, young man, 
when you meet a nice-looking sister in the Lord, and maybe she catches your eye, I, I don't know, but, and you just extend your hand to say, praise the Lord, sister. If it's a rough hand that you grab, that could be a Proverbs 31 woman right there. <laughs> I think I've touched a ruby. <laughs> if it's a super smooth little delicate hand, Just saying. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And she's wise. She's astute. She's she's savvy. Verse 16 says this. She considers a field and buys it. Then it says, and she plants a vineyard. Whoo. It's amazing. Now, we... um, we built a house uh, close to the, church, the church's earlier location. We, we previously were in a movie theater. And so we built a house right next to the church. And we didn't build it with uh, money from, from this church. That came from America. So we never used any church funds to build my own personal house. I'm building a house now, but we don't, you know, we don't solicit funds from the church for that. That came, some people have given, but that we, we're not you know, receiving offerings or anything for that. So, uh, but now that the church moved to Nagarjan, we decided to build a house that would be closer to this area. So, uh, we decided to sell the house we had, which was a nice house. We liked it, but we had to sell it. So, my wife contacted people, and so uh, she contacted and found a buyer for our house. And so, he came with, the man came with his wife, a nice man. He came with his wife, and, and they fell in love with our house, and they wanted to have it. So uh, they wanted to negotiate. My wife said, no, this is the price. Yes, it's yours. No, have a wonderful day. <laughs> we'll take a little bit off. She said, no. Proverbs 31. <laughs> Furthermore. And, I, and this, that couple is a wonderful couple. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just telling you what happened. So furthermore, my wife said, you have to give us the money. I don't know if it was all of it or most of it. I think it was all of it in advance. Not all. But, but you have to give us a big portion of it in advance. And then you can't move in for six months. Because we're going to take that money and buy another plot of land and build another house. And surprisingly, the man agreed. Okay, I think he didn't want to agree, and his wife hit him, and he said, okay, you know. <laughs> seriously, seriously, that, that's what happened. So then, see, I, I've, I've told you many times that, uh, now I've changed over the years, but when I first came to Naglan, I would wake up, you know, like a normal time, and it was like, Jeppy, I don't know when she wakes up. It's like the Bible says two were in bed, one was taken, one was left, every morning. <laughs> It's like, did the rapture happen? <laughs> did I miss it? <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, she'd wake up real early in the morning. I don't even know what she does. Now, nowadays, I do wake up earlier. But she, she went around, and she found a plot of land. See, this is Proverbs 31. She found a plot of land, and she, and, and she was kind enough to let me see it also. <laughs> does your wife do that? make a decision, but sort of make it seem like you have something to do with it. What do you think about this one? I like it. Good. I already bought it. (laughs) 
But no, actually, you know, so plot, plot. And then we started building a house, which is currently where we are. But, but we found out that the money we had was not sufficient to finish that house. It was, just a, it was supposed to be just a temporary house, actually, you see. So Pastor Jeppy contacted the man and told him, now, see, the deal is done. It's finished. That's it. He's paid. It's, you know, everything. But Pastor Jeppy went back to the man and told him, I need more money. <laughs> I mean, it's already, he already bought it. It's, already, it's all finished. We've agreed, da, 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 da. And she went back to him and said, actually, I need more money. And I told her, don't do that. That's, you don't do that. You don't, that's not how business works. She says, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And he gave it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, men, are you getting the picture now? <laughs> Young man, that's who you want to marry. Proverbs 31. Holl not Marvel comic books. Proverbs 31. <laughs> so the, the, this ideal woman of God, she has wisdom. Let me say this to everybody. People with wisdom tend to spend their money to purchase assets. An asset is something that goes up in value, something that makes money, like a business or, or something like that. People without wisdom spend most of their money on liabilities. Those are things that lose value, that cost you money, don't make money, like expensive clothes and cars. It's real quiet now. Think about this. This is just perfect for Mother's Day. Think about this. Elon Musk dropped out of grad school to begin an Internet startup company. He lived very frugally. I think he slept in the little office that they rented. And eventually, he went through a couple of companies, but eventually he made a, another Internet company called PayPal. And that company was sold for $180 million dollars. Well, actually, I take that back. He received $180 million from his share of the company. $180 million. Now, if you had $180, I, can't, I don't know what that is in rupees, but you know. If, it, if you had $180 million, where would you, what would you do? Man, some of you, you know, new car and Gucci and Chanel. And I mean, you would just, you know, you know Ferrari, Lamborghini, you know. <laughs> He invested $100 million into his company, a new company called SpaceX. Another $70 million into another company called Tesla, makes electric cars. And $10 million into another company he started called Solar City. That, that's the whole money. That's the whole thing. And then he borrowed money for his rent. And he lived, I read one place, he was living off $1 a day. One dollar, right? Seventy rupees a day. And he had 180 million. Whew. Today, he's the richest man in the world. His net worth is about, of course, it may be changing right in the middle of my sermon, but his net worth is about 247 billion dollars. Not million, billion with a B, billion dollars. How much money is that? If you earned $10,000, and 
and I have to use dollars because that's what I know, but you know, whatever that is in rupees, not rupees, $10,000 every day, 365 days a year, from when the Egyptian pyramids were first being built until today. If you made $10,000 a day, you know, disregarding inflation, all that. If you made $10,000 every day, starting when the Egyptian pyramids were first being built until today, you would have 15% of Elon Musk's net worth. So actually what that tells me is you don't need more money. You need more wisdom. Hallelujah. Proverbs 31 woman also multitasks. She's involved in many endeavors, all of which advance the same purpose, her primary goal, to help her family. She not only makes clothes for her husband. Of course, I'm not saying you have to make your husband's clothes. I don't think I want, you know, that. <laughs> May not work. But, you know, it's just a, a, the idea. She makes, not only makes clothes for her husband and children, Verse 24 says she sells them to other people. She not only feeds her household, verse 20 says she extends her hand to the poor. She not only instructs her children, but she evidently also imparts wisdom to others. In verse 26, so she does many things and she does them well. Many years she multitasks. This is, this is Proverbs 31. This is God's ideal woman. She multitasks. Many years ago, uh, before I was married and then after I was just married, I, I worked as an assistant manager for a car dealership, the, the, alt, the repair facility of that dealership. Okay, so customers bring in their broken cars and I'm helping them to get them fixed. It was an extremely stressful job. You had to deal with angry customers because they're all angry. Something's wrong with their car. Then you had to deal with unreliable mechanics who didn't do the work properly sometimes. Then you had to deal with all these different departments like parts and body shop, paint shop, and all these different things and coordinate all this stuff, you know, and it was very stressful. I, there was a, there's a fine fellow that trained me. I, I took his place, and I couldn't help but notice that he had this nervous twitch. which I'm, I think he, he got that on the job, you know. It was, most people that had that job didn't last long. There was another fellow I helped to train. My, I, I helped to train him, and he was a real bodybuilder guy. And I, if I'm not mistaken, this was a long time ago, uh, he lost his temper with somebody, and I think he punched somebody. And so they, they fired him, you know. And so, you know, it was really a rough job. I think in my life, it's like one of the roughest jobs I've ever had. Well, I had a coworker. There's a point to this. I had a coworker, a woman named Dottie. She had the same job that I had. There were two of us that did the same job, just as stressful. Dottie, man, she was amazing. She's like superhero, amazing. Wonder Woman, amazing. She could do all these things at once. I, I, I marvel even now. She could talk to somebody on the phone, enter information into the computer. At the same time, she's talking to a customer and a mechanic and somebody else from another place, all at the same time. <laughs> I can't do that. 
Even now, if, if somebody leans over my shoulder while I'm typing, I say, what? <laughs> when I'm trying to find an address, a street, I have to turn the radio down so I can read the sign better. <laughs> now, you know you're getting old when you do that, <laughs> right? I can't, I'm amazed that women are wired to multitask. They're, they're wired differently. So that's why some goofball man who thinks he's a woman, no, you're not. <laughs> you think you wear a dress makes you a woman, you're not. Women are wired completely different. I'm amazed a woman can multitask. She can fry an egg, watch television, talk to someone on the television, and help children with their math at the same time. And then her husband comes in and she says, take over. He burns the eggs. The children <laughs> fail their exams and he just watches television. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 28, toward the end of the chapter now, says her children say good things about her. Her husband brags about her. So that means it's not enough to think highly of this woman. We should express it in words. Now the Bible doesn't say that the Proverbs 31 woman is perfect because no human being is perfect in this life, but she's good. She has some wisdom about her. She has some character about her. Hallelujah. And we should brag about her. We should brag. We should boast about her. Verse 30 says this, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, this doesn't mean, this does not mean that God's ideal woman isn't beautiful or charming. She can be and often is. It just means that that's not really the measure of her true worth because other women have those things too, but... That's not the lasting treasure, the true measure of her excellence. And notice this, it says in verse 30, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The Amplified Bible says this, reverently, Amplified Bible says, reverently worshiping, obeying, serving, and trusting him with all filled respect. In this passage of Scripture, Proverbs 31, verses 10 to the end of the chapter, this is the only reference to God. It's rather interesting. But it is the foundation of everything this woman does. Her love for God is the driving force for all her service to her family to the community, to those that God brings into her life. It's the reason. And notice this, she should be praised. She should be praised. The Hebrew word for praised in verse 30 is halal. Halal. It's the same word that is found all throughout the Psalms when it talks about praising the Lord. It's the same Hebrew word. So it means to declare with a loud voice, 
to speak clearly and announce her goodness, her faithfulness. Think about that. So some Christians, and I would have to say this until last night, some Christians really don't think like Mother's Day is very spiritual. Like, you know, it's kind of like maybe, you know, Valentine's Day or some other, you know, just a holiday. That's not really biblical, but you're wrong. This verse proves it. She should be praised. But this verse doesn't say, so choose one day out of the year to do it. It should be done continuously. Why are we doing this? Because we have a debt. We're behind. So we need to come up a little bit and give a little more attention to all the women, especially moms. Verse 31 in the Good News translation says this. Give her credit for all she does. She deserves the respect of everyone. All virtuous women, all godly women, all excellent women who fear the Lord should be held in honor. But especially, especially mothers. Amen? You know, um, I appreciate all the godly women in this family, this church family. Young and old, single or married. I appreciate all of them. And it's our joy to see God develop them, to change them, to mold them, to shape them, to be the woman of God he's called them to be. Hallelujah. I certainly, I certainly, as I'm sure you could too, I certainly can say that I owe an incalculable debt to my mother. I know that I, I of course, obviously I wouldn't be alive without her, but, but, I, but even beyond that, I don't think I would have made it without my mother. When I was a baby, my mom uh, I was the first child. When I was a baby, my mom was walking down a, a steep flight of stairs, kind of similar to the stairs that goes up to Brother Temsu's office, similar. And she was wearing maybe high heels or something. She slipped. She slid all the way down this flight of stairs, kind of like from the, I don't know, from like the balcony all the way down to the floor, twirling and falling. It's serious. But she held on to me. For dear life, and I was unhurt. That's a mom. That's a mother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And of course, I have to say this too. I appreciate all the godly moms, but I just want to take a little moment, if you'll, if you'll just indulge me for a second. When I read Proverbs 31, it just seems like Jeppe's name is written on every verse. And, and I feel like that for this church, she, she is a mother for the, for the whole church. I don't think you quite understand that this, all of this that you see here and all this going on, it wouldn't happen without her. She, all, so many decisions and, and such wisdom and, and such determination. And I mean, she's not someone who just like is on the sideline eating chocolates and watching Hindi cereals and then shows up on Sunday. And the staff know that's true. She's a driving force behind this ministry. Hallelujah. I mean, if there's a church member that's suffering, she doesn't sleep well that night. She's bothered by that. She's, she's a woman of action. Hallelujah. And so I just feel like, you know, of course, I appreciate all the moms, but I feel like as a church, I just want to say that I really, I really want to say to Pastor Jeppe, you really are a mother for thousands. Bible school students and graduates. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
Is Sister Sangeeta here? Where are you? Help me out. She's coming right now. Pastor Jeppy, can you come to the platform just for a second? You've received so many bouquets and gifts from everybody. This is kind of small. This is from me, but I'll, I just want to give this to you. Um, you want to say something? Well, um, just don't make me cry. <laughs> I'm so honored. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's all stand up to our feet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.